I felt like I was never going to be a cop. That's mm. for sure. Um, and now, like I even now, I put my uniform on some days, and before we go out, I'm like, yeah, pinch yourself. It. Yeah, like, I, I'm. I did it. Like I get to do what I love every day. Yeah. Um, and it's because I was just so determined in the end. Yeah. Like I just didn't give up. So, you know, grit and determination, huh? Yeah, hundred percent. Don't give up. Welcome to Moral of the Story, a podcast where everyday people talk about their real life experiences. We live? Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good right now. Yeah. Because everything I've ever wanted is within my reach, but I've got to be impeccable whenever I speak. Brooke, thanks for joining us. Um, really excited for this conversation. Not every day we get a chance to sit down and talk to a police officer. Um, so I'm really interested in getting to know what happens, you know, behind the scenes. Um, and I feel like a lot of people will learn if there's anyone that knows about adversity and confrontation, I feel like a police officer is somebody you can really get some lessons and life lessons off. So yeah, hundred percent appreciate you taking the time and speaking with us. Um, I, I'm going to start off with, can you explain the ranks in, as a, when you're in the workforce? Okay. I, you're going to test me here with the higher, higher ranks, but you've got, so you start off as a probationary, well, actually you start off as a recruit in the yep. academy. Yeah. And then once you graduate, you're a probationary constable for 18 months after you graduate. Mm-hmm. So you're on probation for 18 months and then you're a constable. And then you're a first class, which is one stripe on the shoulder. So the epaulets that you see on the shoulder. Yes. One stripe. Okay. That's a first class. And then two stripes is a senior. So that's, I think that's like seven years in, eight years maybe. Right. And then three is a sergeant. So that's your first level of, I guess, command. Yeah. Um, And that's who you'd go to first as your, your boss. And then above your sergeant is a senior sergeant. So a senior sergeant will be the boss of a whole team. So a senior sergeant will sit above from, in my instance, in my team, he sits above four sergeants and four sergeants run our team. Um, So they do, they have different roles each day. How many do they like kind of look after? Like how many Um, have they got within their team? So we've got about 40, I want to say 30 to 40. Um, but they ha- have different roles as well. So uh, we've got three main ones, but we've also got a separate sergeant who runs a different part of the team for different jobs. Yeah. Um, and then above uh, senior sergeant, this is where like I get tested. Yeah. We've got um, inspector and then superintendent. Okay. Um, and it just keeps going up from there. So you've got what, like – What's the highest level you know? Commissioner. Commissioner. Yeah, the commissioner of police. But then he's, with, the he's got the same. deputy and assistant commissioners as well. Okay. Yeah. And they've all got the brass on their shoulders, so the medal on their shoulders. Uh, but I couldn't tell you who's got how much medal or anything. I Once you see medal, you just call them sir. And yeah. Yeah. So from the lowest and up, do you kind of just – you mentioned a lot of timelines. Do you just kind of do your time and then is there like a test afterwards? Yeah. So you got to do, um, essays, uh, essays, exams. Um, apparently they're pretty straightforward. Like it's just your everyday policing. So it's just answering Mm -hmm. what you do every day really. Um, but you've got to do exams before each, uh, promotion. Okay. And then you, you automatically, once you've done your exams, you automatically get first class and senior. They're just a given for your time in the job. Okay. 
but a sergeant you have to actually apply for and go through like a whole like applying for a job basically um go through a whole process it's quite a lot of different levels i had no idea of like what levels and how high it actually goes yeah there's so many different units as well like you've got just tasking and then you've got an investigations team who deal with solely with investigations from tasking so you get a job that turns into a bigger thing investigations takes it over Ah. but then something that's even bigger than that goes to detectives but it'll go to specific detectives detectives like how can you is it like a pathway you can get into from like being a officer to a detective yeah 100 percent. but you've got to have a bit of time and experience behind you yeah you have to be off probation and you've got to go through so like us probationers we've got to um fill out a probationary book Mm. that's what they call it but basically just ticking off tasks to show that you can do the job and show that you're utilizing the things that you were taught to do the job basically. So we've got to do that. And then for detectives, they need the same thing. So it's basically like you've got to produce work that you've done and show them that you're capable of the level that they require to be a detective. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tried to relate. It's so different. I try to relate, um, your job to mine and I work in a corporate environment and we always talk about success and um, KPIs, stuff like that. For police, what's like your measure of success? Oh, that's a hard one because – and I've always heard this even before I was a cop. You can't measure the mm. crime that we stop, right? right? So if we lock someone up for something that they do – every night of the week, hmm. if we lock them up for six months, we can't measure how much crime we've stopped because we can't <laughs> say, yeah, they would have done this every night of yeah. the week for the next six months. So you can't measure what you stop, so it's hard to yeah. it's hard to say. Um, I think what's crucial is that, you know, at the end of a shift, at the end of a swing on, we are all going home safe yeah, um, and without injuries because there are weeks there where we get four or five officers assaulted, mm. some of them seriously, some, you know, minor. Mm. But at the end, you know, if we get to the end of a swing, no one's been assaulted, um, you know, no critical incidents have happened. We've yep. been at jobs a lot quicker than, you know, we've been able to get to jobs quickly. Yeah. That's a big thing as well. Like they do measure our time responding to jobs. Yeah. Okay. Depending on the priority level of them as well. Yeah. So we've definitely. got a standard that we have to, have to meet. Yeah. Um, I would imagine um teamwork is a big thing for you guys as massive. well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and just huge. how you work with one another. Yeah, definitely. We've got a really good team, the yeah. team that I'm in. Yeah. We, I think we all click really well. We work really well. We've got guys that are really, really good at certain areas, and and they get rewarded for that. They get to they get to go out and do different things. Mm. Um, and then we've got you know we've got the people that are just incredible with um, communicating with the community mm. and going out there on the beats every day, walking through the city, just talking to people. Like yeah. they just they're really good at that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, then if something bad does happen in the city that involves those people that they talk to every day, they've got a better rapport with them. Mm. And they can de-escalate a situation easier. So yeah, that's every aspect so important. Yeah, and then putting bringing all of that teamwork together, like all those different individuals, in a big job or a critical incident, it's really crucial. Mm. Yeah. Um, I want to get into your background, and I would imagine being a police officer, there's certain characteristics that, um, you know, make you good at your job. 
either you build them up through experience or you're kind of born with it. What, what do you think it's, it is for you? Do you think it's a combination of both? Yeah, I, probably think? a combination of both. Um, definitely my upbringing, like my parents. Yeah. Um, where were you, where were you born? I was born in Esperance. So Esperance, that's right. Way down south. Yeah. Um, we were there for a few years. I don't really remember much from Esperance. Yeah. And then we moved to the Nullarbor. So we lived on a station for oh, wow. a year, I think. Uh, my parents built a caravan park out there and managed that. And uh, I can't remember how old I was. I was really young, but I used to – we had massive mountains there and I used to take all the people from the caravan park on my own little tours. Nice. Yeah. Um, and we used to like rock climb, ride motorbikes, all the rest of it, go out shooting. Yeah. And then from there we went to a farm – two hours out of Esperance. So I mainly grew up country and then. Yeah, you're proper country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to live nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then from there we moved to Mandra and yeah. that was in 2009. So it would have been 11. Yeah. Yeah. And what was the, what's been your motivation to kind of take the career path that you have? Like, is it, is there, was there a trigger for you? Was there like a moment where you're like, ah, oh, I should, I really want to be a police officer or was it? Just... The, the idea had been thrown around to me a couple of times in high school. So I had quite a rough patch in, well, all of high school was yeah. rough for me and primary school. Um, coming from the country, I went to a school from kindergarten to year 12. There was only 20 people in the school <laughs> and you knew everyone because they lived pretty much on the same farm that we lived on. Mm. So you knew everyone and then I moved to Mandra where – my own class had 30 people and the whole school had like 400. And I was a little bit of an outcast coming from the country. Um, I hit puberty really young, so I stood out. Like I was stacking on weight. I had acne. Mm. I was just an easy target for bullying. So that definitely set something in stone. Not that I knew it back then, but mm. it definitely set something in there. And then the idea got thrown around by a few people and I was like, no, nah, that's not it. Like I don't like police, don't like them. Yeah. Um, and then I got set up on a blind date with a police officer. Yeah. Yeah, a few years later and we hit it off really well. And when I heard what the job was really about, what they actually did, and it wasn't just, you know, traffic stops and RBTs and, yeah. you know, because that's all you see as a civilian mm. who's, you know, not on the wrong side of the law, all you see is the traffic stuff yeah. mainly. I do. Yeah. That's for sure. So – you know, being getting an inside look, I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do, 100%. I don't know what it was, but I just went, yeah, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And pretty much everything from then on, I focused like my fitness, everything. Yeah. Um, and basically the journey started from there. Was uh, bullying a bit of a, a factor as well? Like yeah, 100%. Just wanting to, you know, I think everyone goes through bullying at some stage. Yeah. Some different than others, some more than others for sure. Um, and it's so such a big topic in today's day and age, like yeah. bullying. And you know, yeah. now you've got online bullying and stuff like that. I can imagine, um, you know, from the country and being uh, in another school and feeling like you're different. Um, yeah, what, what what sort of issues did that bring on to you, like growing up? I went through. So I was I was bullied from about year. I want to say year six, year five, year six to year 10 when I dropped out of school. Yeah. 
and basically I dropped out because I, I couldn't put up with it anymore. Yeah. Um, my family were at their wits end with it. I was. But I it so much happened with it. So it started out, you know, in primary school with the younger kids. It was a lot of just, you know, name calling yep. and, um, you know, the normal things that you get from younger kids. Mm. A little bit of like, you know, telling the teachers that I'd done something that I hadn't done just to try see me get in trouble, yeah. just things like that. Yeah. But I was sort of like on my own there, whereas all these girls that were bullying me, they all had older siblings in the high school right next to us. Uh. So in the end, as it progressed and got worse, like the girls from the high school were coming in after school and circling me, like cornering me. Um, yeah, well. there's a lot of things that my mum reminds me of sometimes when we have a conversation and I don't remember it. It's like I've blocked it out. Yeah. Um, but one incident in particular when I was in primary school that I remember I was leaving after school one day, it was like a Friday afternoon. So you get to leave at two 30 and my mum wasn't there. So I sort of hung around for a bit and these girls came and circled me and I sort of, you know, I was like, okay, I, I know what's going to happen here. So I put all my stuff down, put my bag down and I was just kind of like waiting for it. Embrace like pretty much. Like I was just like, okay, so this is going to happen. It was about five of them. Um, and then out of nowhere, a teacher's aide was yelling my name from across the oval. Yeah. And she's like, hey, your mum's on the phone. Um, she's got to talk to you. And the girls have sort of all like started stepping away. I've picked up my stuff and run. And I was like, oh, what's mum want? She's like, no, I just saw what was happening. Like I just oh, wow. I needed to get you out of there before anything that happened. That teacher had the presence of mind to go. Yeah, yep. I know what's going um, on there. Yeah, so she she definitely saved me that day. And um, mum got there. Mum yep. found out she was ropeable. Mm. Um, you know, it was just another incident for her to deal with, with like, I'm her youngest as well. Right. Like, and it was just another incident. And do you, do you feel like, you know, being bullied kind of builds this tough skin on you? Like, yeah, hundred percent. But I think I'm lucky in the sense that I wasn't someone through all the years of bullying that I went through. I struggled. I'd really struggled, mm. um, mentally. Like there was, I had so many issues, mm. um, but I, th- I I look at myself as a lucky one because, you know, I wasn't ever one that ended up being successful and taking their own life. I wasn't one that ended up turning to drugs and alcohol, mm. you know, and I, I, that definitely comes down to having a strong family as well, yeah. you know. They they had my back 100%. Um, yeah. Even when it felt like the schools weren't doing anything. Um, and... You know, they tried everything. I was quite academic and they tried everything to keep me in school and in the end they went, you know what, if you're not in the right mindset to be there and you don't want to be there, you're not going to do the work anyway. Mm. So, you know, if you want to try, get yeah. out and yeah. go get a job, go for it. And I did and I ended up being really successful in that as well and just I I just had this fire in me and this drive to, you yeah. know, Prove people wrong. You yeah. had like a chip on your shoulder. That yeah, you, 100%. Yeah. And I think that comes from, you know, your support system. I think yeah. they're like I really feel bad for people that do get bullied and don't have that support system to yeah. rely on Um, because, yeah, it really matters. Like I really feel sorry for those that don't have somebody to help them through a tough time because I do feel like a lot of kids go through it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and having someone to support you through it maybe even have your back and I think that's a big thing on you know, like being on one side of the spectrum which is positive yeah you know and coming out of it and maybe for you I feel like you used it to fuel you um yeah definitely. And, and you know propel you forward in life 
Yeah, I for think sure. That's huge. I I think it's it's such a hard topic because then there's there's people who have, you know, the most loving parents and the the best upbringing that they can have. Yeah. But something clicks in them where these bullies just get way too deep in them, and they mm. they just they don't see any other option. And I think that, yeah, that I reckon that drives a little bit of my mm. work ethic in the job that I'm in now. Seeing people get away with things, and you know, I guess they are like they're like big bullies in yeah, like in that, the real world. Like, and, it's a funny connection that you make, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it it at whatever level. Or, or stage you are at life, you can kind of connect things to some to some things that you experienced when you were younger. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, like, you know, I see things like on TV where it's like these are adults and they're acting like kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's, it's really interesting that you kind of touched on how it kind of comes full circle. Um, do you, what about like, what about like, when you got to a stage where you're like, yeah, I'm going to be a police officer. Um, was there any struggles with, uh, within kind of the training and, and, you know, on your way to becoming a police officer, was there any struggles that you had to face there? Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, it took me four years and three attempts to get in. Wow. Um, initially, so I started basically, training and you know had my mind set up set on it at about 17 so you can't apply then anyway yeah and then as soon as I turned 18 I applied and I got knocked back and it was for 12 months so I couldn't reapply for 12 months and I okay. was like you know at 18 I was like I don't get it like what am I what am not? I going to do for 12 months yeah like why not like yeah I don't get it I'd be great for this job yeah and I'd, I'd say that's quite rare right like having a 18 year old yeah yeah definitely it's um they definitely want more life experience yeah for sure, for sure. even me now being in you know having a 17 year old mm. uh, 18 year old rather next to me it's a bit strange yeah. like you're like you know and i'm not even i'm i'm only 23 now like it's not i'm not that much older but yeah i i can get it looking back you know you can see why, yeah. but a year later I've reapplied and I got knocked back again. And a year later I went, oh, I can see what that year did. I've grown so much and yeah. I'm like so much older and, you know, so much more mature. And then, then I got knocked back again. I was like, man, I don't get it. Like, yeah, right. what the hell? So my partner at the time, he was like, oh, this thing's come up for transit officers. I was like, what are transit officers? Like I never caught the train. I was like, what are transit <laughs> officers? I have my license since I was like 16, 17. I was, yeah. what are they? And he's, he's like, just apply for it at this point i was so desperate to get out of retail i'd done it for three four years at this point yeah i'd managed multiple stores i'd done multiple companies um and i just knew it wasn't for me i enjoyed managing i hated retail with a passion mm. hated it um and it was a lot of work for nothing yeah um so, so the transit um job kind of gave you it's almost like a pathway yeah at gave the time, you that experience I'd, maybe that you needed yeah definitely so at the time I didn't realize it but I was like oh, I'll just apply whatever and then I started like passing each stage and it's the same process as police pretty much you yeah. got stages I started passing each stage and then I got to the interview I was like uh, okay yeah. all right cool did the interview and I got the job and I was like okay okay cool awesome yeah, wow. what do we do like what's this job and then doing it and training and everything I was like oh so it's really it's really similar to policing but just in train stations and trains. Cool. So I was like, this is a good stepping stone. And 
I really loved my job there. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, met some amazing people. But um, I still wanted to be a police officer. And doing that, I was set in stone then. I was like 100% at least now I know. Yeah. I've got some exposure with the safety net of being a transit because, you know, if you need backup, police come. Mm. So I was like, this is what I want to do 100%. So I went to apply again and my partner at the time was like, oh, I don't know, maybe maybe hold off for a bit, maybe give it a little bit longer in transits, get some more experience and stuff. You don't want to get knocked back for your third time because then I'm going to have to wait even longer to apply uh, again. Okay. And I was like, oh, something, something's telling me I've got to do it. Like I just something, I had to do it. So I applied again and I started going through the process and it was a lot quicker than the mm. last two times. Um, I was getting emails back in, you know, four weeks instead of four months. It was so much quicker. Mm. And then I got to the stage that I'd failed twice before and I was I was so nervous. Mm. And I passed that and I was like, oh, all I've got now is my fitness test. Like I, I can smash the yeah. fitness test. Like I've trained for this. Yeah. So I smashed the fitness test and then I had an interview and the interview was all right. Like it felt really good and I was like, oh, awesome, we're nearly done. And then they're like, oh, you know, you failed the psych test the last two times and they've pulled out my last two psych tests oh, and like, really? we want to go through your psych tests and just talk about some discrepancies in answers. Um, oh. And a lot of them when, they, when they've told me, I'm like, yeah, you know what, thinking, that's something 18-year-old Brooke would have said and thought. Um, yeah. And I was able to justify, yeah, like I was 18 and I hadn't worked with the kinds of people that were going to work with and being in transit, now I have. And it's definitely one opened up my mind a lot more mm. and made me that much more mature. And they're like, okay, cool. No worries. Thanks. It's kind of good that you, they kept those answers. Yeah. It was yep. almost like you could look back at your former self and reflect yeah. on how you used to think. And then you can see your progress and how far you've yeah. actually come. Yeah. 100%. That's kind of cool that they've done that. Yeah. And they kept those answers. Cause yeah, I would love to have insight into what I was thinking and, you know, it's almost like yeah. a little mini journal. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, and then I got in and started training and I think it was day three. I went home and I was like, what have I done? Hmm. What am I getting myself into? Like, I can't do this. No way can I do this. This is way too hard. What made you think that? Pretty much initiation day for fitness. Fitness oh, stuff. Passed out and vomited three times. <laughs> yeah, like it, they, it was brutal and it was like – I liken it to like the military and the okay. way that they yell at you and all of that. It was like that. And it was mind games definitely to test you because, you know, that happens in the job all the time. We get yelled at all the time in the yeah, job. Yeah. Um, by it's the a bit like, that we're dealing sorry with. to cut you off. Is no, it a bit right. like SAS? Have you, have you ever seen that show? That's what I felt like. It was. It's it, like that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to compare our training, anything like this. That is intense and I couldn't do that. But that's what I felt like in this first week. And I was like, what have I done? Like, yeah. I, I I can't imagine having trying to do this at 18 mm. and now I'm struggling to do it at 22. Mm. I was like, man, this is hard or 21, whatever I was. What's a, can you take me through a day of that, that the hardest day? Like, can you take me through like some of the training and like. Uh, I can't take you through the hardest day because I think of, yeah. I think that needs to be kept secret for people going through the academy, ah, definitely, nice. yep. because it is they purposely keep it a secret and once your squad goes through it, they're like, don't you dare tell another squad. And right. it needs to be. It, it really is. And it's a good day Yeah. by the end of it when you finish. Yeah. Um, 
I could imagine how relieved you are. Yeah, yeah. But um, like, you know, I'm not a runner. I don't run. I don't like running. I don't enjoy cardio at all. I've only ever lifted weights. Um, so the academy, when it's all about running, was really hard for me. Mm. Um, but probably like the hardest day, you'll do things like circuits. Like there's a hill in the academy and you'll do just constant yeah. um, like it might be jump squats all the way up, then you've got to run back and then you're going to do um, and they're yelling burpees at you at all the time. way up. Yeah. yeah, On your back. Yeah. Wow. Um, then you run down and then you're doing like sit-ups all the way up. Then yeah. you run down, you might be doing lunges all the way up. So it's just constant nonstop. Yeah. And they never give you an end. Mm. So they don't go, okay, we're going to do six rounds of this and that's the end of it. They're like, you don't know. Put mm. in harder work and mm. then we might stop you. Or if you're not working hard enough, work harder and maybe we might stop you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just pushing and pushing and pushing, but they'll find anyone's breaking point. Like we had some of the fittest guys in our squad. And they broke them down. And they get to a point where even they go at the end of the session, yeah, I was ready to give up. Mm. For me, it didn't take much for me to go, yeah, I'm pretty wrecked. <laughs> um, but what did you? What do you think you learned from that experience the most? Like what was the one lesson you oh, took away from that? The absolute truth behind your mind gives up before your body does. Yeah. Oh, 100%. My mind was gone, you know, 10 minutes into a session and I'd last an hour and a half in a session. Yeah. Or running 5Ks. I was like, I will never be able to run 5Ks nonstop. I was running 5Ks nonstop in the academy. Mm. Definitely wasn't running at the times that some of the other people were. But the fact that I was running 5Ks, I was like, and it's not a flat 5Ks either. It's up and down. So you feel like your mind plays games on you? 100%, yeah. Like at the moment you, I started thinking, I can't do this, I'd last another 40 minutes, hour after that. Mm. Um, and, you know, I passed out and vomited three times, but I was so scared of the trainer that I got up and I finished that workout. Yeah. Like, And if if I were anywhere near passing out in the gym, I'm going home. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not doing the rest of this workout. Yeah. But in the academy, they just... It's almost like having someone accountable for like for your actions. Yeah, 100%. pushes you like beyond your limits. There's also only so much that they can do. Like there's an obstacle course, and you have to be able to do the obstacle course. There's no ifs or buts. You don't progress to the next stage in the academy without being able to do it. Yeah. And there was this one wall that I couldn't jump over. I was there in the mornings. I was there at night. Like I could not get over it. Mm. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this. I don't get it. And, you know, they were they were really great. They were coming out and they were like, you know, you're putting in the work. Let's work with you. Let's try. Yeah. Um, took me seven weeks and then I was clearing that wall every time. No way. I was like, I'm going to get this. And then every session we had, they'd sometimes do sessions where you're going around the obstacle course for an hour and they're like, oh, Every round, take one obstacle off. Mm-hmm. Whatever's your hardest, take that off. I was like, every time, that wall's staying in there until the end. Like, I'm just always going to do this wall now. Yeah. And I was just so determined. And I think, like, anything that's ever been that hard before, I feel like I don't, I, you know, I, I do get that mindset of I can't do it. Mm. Um, And I think that's definitely changed since the academy because I just, everything that I thought I couldn't do, I didn't think I could go through the academy alone. Yeah. You know, and I went through by myself. I moved to Joondalup by myself. Yeah. Like, I did it all by myself. And I'm like, I did that. Yeah. Um, Something you can hang your hat on. Yeah. Builds your confidence. 100%. You push yeah. your limit. You've learned so much. Yeah. I, I'm really impressed by the fact that you tried four times to get in, knock back three. You know, people try something once and give up. Yeah. Yep. You know, and it could be something they're so passionate about. 
But for you to be knocked back three times and go for that fourth, that's that says a lot about your character. And like, I find that a lot of people lack that. I know so many people who've got so much potential. They have dreams. They want to do something, and they'll try it once and then be like, ah, nah, that's it. You know. Yeah. And like, you're a perfect example of someone staying with it. Um, it's something you know you're passionate about and you know you want to do. But you stay with it. And then, like, look at the, all the life lessons you got to get out of it. Like, Yeah, so much. Mm. And, yeah, I've just – I couldn't be happier with where I'm at right now in my job. Like, I, I just – I love it. Like, it's 100% what I want to do. Yeah. Um, whether – how long I'll do it for, I don't know. Obviously, yeah. I've got a long career ahead of me for sure. Um. But, yeah, like right now, I'm like I'm so glad that I never stopped and never gave up. You, and, well, yeah. You know, looking back now, I'm like that six months in the academy went so quick. It didn't feel like it at the time. But now I'm like oh, I come off probation soon. Like I've been, yeah. you know, it's just it's all gone so quick. And Do you ever um, reflect in hindsight and be like what could have been? Like if you did decide to, oh, okay, I've been knocked back three times. Let's go plan B. I didn't have a plan B. Nice. Nah, I didn't like. I was like, I'm not going to stay in retail. Um, I enjoyed transits, but I'm not. I wasn't going to stay in. there. You yeah, went all I was. In. There wasn't another option. Yeah. I was going to if. And people had said, "Oh, sometimes they just knock you back to see if you're really keen and see if you come back." And I was like, "Well, then they're going to be knocking me back for a while. Like, eventually <laughs> they're going to go. All right, we're sick of this sheep. Like, just let her in already." Where do you think that comes from? Does that is that childhood? Is that? Uh, yeah, I guess I guess so. Um, Standing up to the bullies, just like- yeah, like I think so. I think in a way, sometimes I think I feel like in a way they won because like mm. I dropped out of school, like I left, yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't like that I dropped. I, although I was extremely successful when I did, and I I gained so much experience, and I was a store manager while they're still in year 11, year 12. Um, but the fact that I felt like I had to leave school to get away from it and to mm. start fresh, like sometimes I feel like they won. So yeah, I think now I'm sort of like I don't want anyone else to win right. if they're telling me I can't or if, you know, if something's stopping me, I don't like I'm not going to allow it sort of thing. Yeah. I think it sort of comes from that. So, it, you know, I, I hate – to say this but in a way are you kind of i don't want to say thankful but are you at peace with how that you know all the bullying and stuff oh yeah feel like, it's, like i'm you're almost thankful because it's made you and made you this determined person yeah without a doubt i'm the person that i am now because of everything that i went through mm. without a doubt and mm. like i sometimes i want to be the like really girly, like mm. feminine female, but I'm not. I'm quite tomboyish and butch and like I'll have banter with the guys yeah. and you can't hurt my feelings. Yeah. Like it's just not going to happen because yeah. it's just not. Yeah. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm very grateful that I'm the type of person that I am because it, it it's so beneficial for my job as well. Yeah. Like, you know, I will come up against – you know, some big guys that'll say anything under the sun to offend you and it's just water for ducks back. So, mm. Okay, no worries. Like, thanks, mate. Have a good night. See you later. I love for people, if 
you know, if they're watching or listening, that's like, uh, that's the biggest takeaway is like, whatever's happened in your past, you can like use that as fuel to, to get you to that next level. Yeah. And I'd yeah. love for like, whoever's listening to to really take that on if they're trying to deal with something that's happened in the past. A lot of people I feel like live in the past. Yeah. And yeah. it just hinders their everyday life. Like yeah, they just can't get over these hurdles. Um, if you switch that mindset to be like, it happened. Um, this is what I'm, I'm learning from. This is how I've learned from it. And now I can use it as my, at my disposal. And it's almost yeah. like a tool that you pick up. Yeah. yeah. Um, switching gears a bit. Uh, as a police officer, what do you think um, like makes a good police officer? Like what are the characteristics that make um, a good police officer? There's so many different police officers and there's so many different ways um, to police. Like people have different approaches with different things that work differently. But uh, I think communication is probably the biggest thing. Like people say, I don't know if you've heard the term verbal judo. It's like being able to navigate a situation just by communicating and de-escalate a situation. It's a bit like gift of the gab sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think communication, confidence, and I think like a lot of people are very um, hard and you know what, it's probably rich coming from me because I'm still so new in the job and these, Mm. these guys have seen a lot, like a lot more than I can imagine right now this this point in my career but I think still having a little bit of empathy and being able to hold on to that Mm. is really important um and you know guys have said it to me before like the like I'm just not empathetic anymore like you just you go through so much as a police officer that you just lose that Mm. and sometimes they go to jobs that reignite it for them and they're like I feel good to be able to be empathetic towards that person and so I think they're three main characteristics that are important, especially like communication's biggest one, hands down, and confidence. Um, you got to be confident in your ability to do your job for yeah. sure. And do you say empathy is one as well? Mm. Yeah. 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 I think empathy is a big one. I, I, I imagine as a police officer, you can't. It's another question that I uh, really want to get out is, is how do you mentally prepare for these everyday confrontational situations? When you put on that uniform. I I thought, like, you know, you gave me the questions about a week ago and I've, I've thought about this question for the whole week and I had a whole swing at work. Yeah. So every day going into work I was thinking about this question. And to be honest, I don't know. I don't know that I do um, because I, I don't, I try not to preempt each day because, you know, as a police officer you can go a whole day and nothing will happen. Mm. You're just talk to people around the city, you know, go have coffee, have a chat to the people that own the coffee shop and that'll be your day, you know, catch up on some paperwork, that's it. And then there's other days where, you know, you're going to critical incident to critical incident and you're getting no lunch, you, um, you know, you're just flat out all day or you get a massive job and you're stuck on a massive job all day. Um, And I think... Preempting something or trying to 
like assume something bad's going to happen is just as dangerous as being complacent in the right, job. Right. Because you don't want to rock up to a job and just assume that something bad's going to happen and then come in up here. Yeah. You always want to come in down here and then raise it if you need to. So like what I mean by that is if you're going into an aggressive person, you don't want to come up and be at their level right. when you meet them. You want to start low because it's very hard for someone to yell at someone who's calm. Yeah. So you want to try bring them down so yeah. that you can have a proper conversation and ascertain what's happened. Yeah. I think if you're preempting something and you're getting yourself built up, that adrenaline's going to start like building up a lot more and a lot sooner and you're going to come in real heightened and you don't want that. Mm. So I just try to – I just do my thing. Like I just yeah. – I go to the gym, um, you know, listen to music on the way to work yeah. and just – I you just got to, it seems like, about it. it seems like you've got to have a clear headspace. Yeah. Yeah. And be in a position where. And an open mind. An open mind. Yeah. Yeah. You and might you, get a job where you sit at the hospital with a mental health patient all day. Mm. And so all you're doing all day is listening to their story and you're, you're talking to them and you're trying to be empathetic. Like mm. you, you spend your day doing that. So you got to have an open mind to what you might be doing that day. Like, yeah. So I think, I think it's important for me to, do the things that I enjoy before mm. work just in case maybe I am going to face a critical incident that day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's a hard question. It, I know because, uh, yeah, we really want to understand the mindset and, um, you know, the attitude you guys have when you put on that uniform because we've talked about this before is often police officers are dehumanized in a way. like. Yeah. You know, you had an experience that with our cousin where, yeah. you know, you're saying hi to him and he doesn't even recognize you yeah. because you've got a uniform on. Yeah. How does that make you feel? In, and do you have many of those situations? Are they um, do they happen all the time? Happen with me. <laughs> yeah, even, yeah, yeah, even Dylan. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I didn't, you know, they say it, I was saying to you before, they say it all the time, like, you know, don't don't ever get offended by anything that you hear on the job because – you know, from someone that you're dealing with because they just see a uniform. They don't know you as a person mm. and they just see a uniform, so don't be offended by it. And, you know, you kind of always think, yeah, they don't know me, like, fair enough. But then that day that I was walking up to Aaron and I got, you know, I was walking up to him for a good five metres and he's looking at me the whole time. <laughs> and I got, like, a metre away and he's kind of looked at me and then, like, I've been like, oh, hey, how you doing? And he's like, oh, my God, it's Brooke. Like, <laughs> I didn't even, I just saw the uniform and I was like, why is the police officer walking towards me? Like... <laughs> He immediately got that nervousness and was like, yeah. what What did I do? Like, yeah. And this was a protest around COVID and, yeah. you know, those sorts of things. So he was kind of like, why is a cop walking up to, to me? Um, and then like Dylan as well, like it's taken a couple of, hey, hey, Dylan, <laughs> um, for him to. It's me. <laughs> I'm here. And he was it's like, me. oh, Brooke, hey, how are you? Um, and even my mum see me in uniform. And when I say in uniform, I'm like fully kitted up. So yeah. my ballistics vest, the belt, everything. Um, even my mum's sort of gone, oh, you look so different when you're yeah, like, really? in uniform. Um, Your mum doesn't even recognise you. Nah. nah um, I think as well, though, I carry, I definitely carry a different type of confidence when yeah. I'm in my uniform. Yeah. Um, I think that's what the power of the uniform does, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, kind of. I think as well, like I'm just – like when you're doing something that you love and you, you enjoy what you do – 
you just you have that confidence about you because mm. it's you're in your element. That's where you want to be. Mm. So it's hard not to be confident. You mm. know where we lack confidence is places that you know things we're not good at. And mm. We're not comfortable being there, so we don't have confidence. But you know, I love my job and I love being there, and I'm comfortable being there, and I'm I'm comfortable with my ability to do my job. Yeah. So I have a, I definitely carry that confidence. But um, yeah, it was interesting. I think the the most interesting one was Aaron where like I was right next to him and it <laughs> took him like a good second to go oh my god it's you yeah um and he said it even at family things afterwards yeah it's like it took me so long like I just saw the uniform yeah yeah, yeah. Do you feel like majority uh when their, their first reaction when they see a police officer is that they become conscious of themselves yeah yeah 100 percent um it's interesting walking like walking the beat in the city and walking around you know people will just be going about their day and then they see you and they're like oh sorry officer and they put their mask on Mm -hmm. and you're like no no you don't have to wear a mask outside like we are always wearing one because we have to yeah we come into contact with so many people that they just it's best that we wear a mask all the time right um but everyone's like oh i'm so sorry and like they'll like put their mask on and you're like no you don't you you know, you were walking around outside without a mask because you know that you don't need to, but you panic when you see police officers. Mm. Um, and even same thing, I quite like cars. And in Northbridge, there's cars that are always like on a Friday, Saturday night, it's backed up, so they're going quite slow and we're walking the beat. And like, I'll go up to a car and they're like, oh, sorry, what did I do? And I'm like, no, I just like your car, man. I'm like, can we just have a chat about your car? And they're like, you serious? I'm like, yeah, I just, I like your car. Yeah. Like, That's sick. Yeah. <laughs> so. Obviously, like you start creating these laws in your mind. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm meant good... to be wearing a helmet when I drive a car. Like, what am I doing? That's a good point though, Dil. Like, we, I know I do. When I see a cop, I'm like, I check myself. I'm like, am I doing anything wrong? I know when I'm in the car. If I'm in the car and I see a police officer, my eyes straight away go to my speed. I, mean, I want to check my speed. I'm trying to check my speed. Yeah, yeah. I even did it the other day, like um, coming along, I think it's Morley Drive, there was like tow trucks, police, um, all sorts and traffic was backed up and I got there not long after this incident happened. So I was like, I kind of went into work mode straight away. I was like, okay, do they need help? What's happened? Um, am I going to need to park my car? Where am I going to park it? Like I'm thinking mm. all these things for work. And then I go, okay, motorbike cops have turned up. There's enough people there. I'm good. And then like they're directing traffic and stuff and I'm watching the lights and I'm like, do I go? Can I go? Can mm. I go? Like mm. I don't want to get in trouble here. Like I'm doing the same thing, like hyper con- like sensitive about my actions. Yeah. And I also didn't want to be that person rubbernecking, but I was kind of like, oh, I want to see what happens. Like, <laughs> what happened? I've got a question. So like um- – would you say there's a difference now on how you would speak to a police officer now that you're in that industry as opposed to, say, before you became one? Is there, so is there a different way that you would you would speak to a police officer? I'm going to expose. So, say you're, say you're, you're a civilian now. Like, is there... I'm going to expose myself here because I was that annoying person before I was a cop who always wanted to go up and talk to the cops. Like, yeah. I always wanted to think of an excuse to go and talk to them. Um, and I think I'm still like that now that I'm in the job. Like I, I want to go up to them. Like I saw the motorbike cops in Maccas after that incident and when I just happened to be there. Yeah. And so I've gone up to them. I was like, hey, did you guys go to that job like this and this? And they're like, 
you're obviously in the job because no one says that. Yeah, yeah. No one knows those words. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. I guess. <laughs> How'd you know? Um, so there's that. She's, in- she's, 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 Codes, like. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. There's that. Literally, <laughs> yeah, literally, like using job codes, and they're like, "What's that? What are you like? <laughs> what is this chick talking about?" Um, but yeah, talk. I'm I'm a lot more relaxed talking to police now than mm. I, you know, was before. And you know, before you're like, "Oh, can I swear around them? Can <laughs> I do this? What can I do?" Like, whereas now I'm like, you know, I don't really care because you know I know that they're just human. Like yeah. they're just another person, yeah. and they're happy to have a chat. Most of them. Happy to just have a chat if they're not busy. Going back to that human thing, it's uh, I'm, I've made a strange connection that maybe it's actually a good thing because um, what you said before was like you can't when you're wearing a, the uniform you can't take things personal. Yeah, yeah. And I was sitting here thinking like, how do you if someone's like having a go at you, they're in the wrong. Or they're just, you know, fully attacking you. How do you not take that personally? Um, I don't know. You just... I, I, I'm thinking like... It's just like, a rule that you just can't. But, you know, you you also look out for your partners. Like, mm. we're human as well, so we can red miss. So we can, mm. you know, something might trigger us or someone might just go too far. Or we've come from a critical incident to now dealing with just, just yeah. a drunk guy in Northbridge. Yeah. Who just wants to attack someone? Um, you know, sometimes things get to officers. So you are watching your partner's back as well. And if you go, hang on, I think my partner is. This is actually affecting my partner. Yeah, you're gonna go. Hey, take a step back. I'll deal with the guy. You know. Yeah. Okay. So it's not to say that a hundred percent we never get affected. It never, like, never affects us. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it definitely does sometimes. But I think. I think um, you kind of touched on it there, like. That's that's the the job of a, a a partner, a good partner. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you build up. I think you need to have some resilience before the job, but you build up resilience in the job. And when you are at work, you're just thinking work. You mm. know, if you're out drinking and someone starts saying some of the things that people say to us, you're probably going to lose your shit. Mm. To be fair, mm. but when you're at work, you're just at work. And you're like, mate, yeah, I know you're having a rough night. Yeah, I know you've had a bit to drink. Like, mm. all good. We'll just get you on your way. We're just going to do X, Y, Z and we'll get you on your way. Um, you know, we'll help you get an Uber or whatever while they're attacking you. Like, yeah, no worries. Like, mm. you know, after an incident, half the time, like people get what's called auditory exclusion. So when they're under a lot of pressure or um, emotions are heightened, a lot of adrenaline or it's a serious incident, auditory exclusions where you don't hear anything. You don't know that you're not hearing anything, but you don't. Um, in a serious incident, it can be quite dangerous mm-hmm. because your partner might be saying, hey, like, move back. There's another guy over there with a knife or whatever. But he can't. You won't hear it. Um, and it's quite common. I've I've definitely had it in incidents where someone's, like, tapped me a couple times and gone, hey, I got it. Like, hey, I got his arm. Yeah, like, right. it's all good. And you sort of take a second and you're like, oh, okay, yep, we're all good. Um, so I think you, you almost kind of get that. You switch it off. Yeah. Like, unless yeah. it's really important – you know, some jobs it's really important you listen to what someone's saying, so then you you are focusing on exactly what they're saying. Mm. Um, but for the most part, like you switch it off. Yeah. Um, you might after the incident debrief and talk to someone and go, oh, "Yeah, I remember him. Like he just kept saying this, like and just yeah. saying this." And someone else is like, "Oh, did you hear him say this?" And you're like, "Oh no, I didn't hear that." Like, yeah. so I you think feel, you switch it off. You feel like that's a that's a um, kind of a culture 
in the workforce you guys have, like the debrief, debriefing situations and picking it apart. Yeah, definitely. That's a big Um, thing. It's really important and you've got to have good bosses as well who value and see the value in debriefs and stuff. All of ours are amazing. Like you'll do a job and sometimes it's not even as formal as let's all go sit down in the office and have a debrief. Sometimes it's like, hey, you good? Like you sure you're all good? Yep. Do you want to go like grab, you know, grab a coffee or something? Um, you know, don't don't worry about the paperwork right now. Take time. Something as simple as that or um, even, hey, next time let's think about doing it this way yeah. or whatever it might be. So sometimes it's not so formal but after most jobs you'll all gather in an area, even if you're just going, oh, my God, this just happened. Mm. Sometimes that's enough for people to go, okay, cool, I've got it off my chest. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's definitely important, sure. What's the uh, – the when you're in a confrontation – what do you remind yourself when you're in the moment? Like how do you how do you um you know take away what's happened yesterday, what's what's going on around you? you can't there's always, you know, sideline commentary when whenever I see police in Northbridge or something, you know, there's always people walking around saying cheeky comments. Yeah. How do yeah, you 100%. zone in on what's going on? Or whether it be confrontation or, you know, a ruckus or whatever's happening. How do you zone in? Each officer is going to be different, yeah. but I think for me, like safety is paramount. Mm. So I'm like, whatever happens here, whatever we need to do, um, whoever gets involved, we need to be safe for us and for them because they're, you know, normally they're under the influence of something. Mm. So they're not considering their own safety. Yeah, They have no regard for their own safety. They're stumbling across roads or you know, running and roads, whatever it might be. Mm. Um, so we need to be thinking about, you know, someone who might potentially be trying to hurt us, we need to be thinking about their safety as well yeah. as ours and then everyone around us. Um, but, you know, I, I think in the back of my head it's always a subconscious is safety because, you know, you're going into an incident and you're assessing it from the beginning going, okay, do I need backup? Do I need a car here? Okay. Do I need more people on foot? Where is my backup? Yeah. Um, is it close? Is it far? Do I have my cameras? Do I have my body worn camera on? And and where I work, we've got cameras all around. So yeah. have I called for cameras? Have I got the camera room watching me so that if something goes sideways here, they can call my backup because yeah. I can't? Yeah. Um, who's my partner? Is it me and another small female? And, you know, we're capable. We are very capable. We get asked all the time when there's two of us together, oh, my God, where's the male? Like all the time. Yeah. People are like, oh, you guys have got a male with you, right? We're very capable. We've gone through the same training, but yeah. sometimes if we're coming up against a six foot four, hundred and twenty kilo guy, yeah. we might go, you know what? We'll call for backup first. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go into this one, you know. So, knowing your own strengths as well. Um, that's, yeah, I think it's that's just, a question I wanted to, uh, to ask you. Is yeah, how do you feel? Do you feel any type of way as being a female in? As an officer? Is... I think we can de-escalate situations better. Yeah, um, right. Definitely with males, with other males. We can, because, you know, males against males, whether you want to admit it or not, it's an ego thing. Mm. You know, this male's like, well, I'm not going to back down against this cop because this guy thinks that he can take me. Yeah. And then the cop's like, well, you're, I'm not going to back down because I'm the cop here. Like, you need to listen to me. Mm. Whether you like it or not, you're doing the wrong thing. You've you got to listen to me. Mm. So it's like an ego thing. Um, whereas girls, we can go, you know, and a lot of guys. Probably vice versa with dealing with uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Depending on the job as well. Sometimes, for the most part, yeah, but sometimes females are triggered by males. Like, you know, depending on what job you're going to, a female might go, hey, I'm not comfortable dealing with males. Um, And sometimes it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look, it's hard. Um, It's very hard for them. But, yeah, no, I don't – I don't feel any type of way being a female in the job. I mm. think I'm I'm just as capable, but I'm also very aware that, you know what, some jobs I need the guys to help me mm. or I need more people or I'm not going to be able to hold this person, you know, or cuff them by myself or whatever it may be. Um, I'm, you know, mm. I'm comfortable in the job as a female, but I also know when I need help. Yeah. You yeah. know your strengths, you know yeah. your weaknesses. Yeah, 100%. I'm interested to know uh, because... This is actually just something that I just Googled uh, real quickly because I didn't want to go off my own observation. But uh, it says that, because obviously you worked in retail beforehand mm-hmm. and then obviously you went into transit and now police officer. So you, uh, it says that uh, retail is actually female dominant. Yeah. It's dominated by, uh, that industry is female dominated. But now... Um, uh, I was reading that the ratio of guys to girls in the police force is, I think it was like like 60-40 or 70-30 yeah. or something like that. So it's you went from being in uh, a female-dominated in- industry and then now you're in a male-dominated industry, uh, you would say, I guess. Like how is that that change for you? Like, how did you I prefer it. it. <laughs> I think comes back to like what I was saying before is I'm not I'm not a real girly girl like I'm not um I'm quite tomboyish and all of that so I I get on with guys quite well but I also like I think that behind closed doors I think my banter is like a little bit too much for some girls <laughs> like so um and I just I don't know I loved my girls in retail loved mm. my girls we would even as their manager, we would all go out drinking on the weekend together. Like I loved my girls so much. Yeah. Um, and we all got on really well, but I, I, I like the male dominated industry just as much. Like I have no, yeah, it's, it's not, it's never been like a thing for me. It's kind of daunting going into certain situations. Like you go to a new office or you go going to do a recall with a team that you don't know. And it's like, no other girls are on. And it's mm. kind of like, ugh. but I don't know. I think in this job you get over it real quick. Yeah. Real quick because you're always with a guy. Yeah, I guess that can't be an issue, especially if you're getting into the, that industry. Yeah, well. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know a single female that I've come across in policing that's has an issue with the, you know, we, we're all like, yeah, 100% we should have more females in here. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't haven't come across a girl that's had an issue with the, yeah, that's good. the male dominant. One thing that we all all us girls really like the guys will get arrests like a female arrest or whatever, they've got to call for a female to attend to search them. Okay. Um, because guys can't search girls, girls can't search guys. So when I'm with another girl, we're like, we have to get a guy and call over the radio that we need a guy for a search, because that's just <laughs> like that just doesn't happen. Oh, uh, really? Um so like, you know, there's we us girls still have things like that that we're like, you know. Yeah want to push like just to make a point but yeah um yeah no i haven't come across a single world that has an issue with the 
the male dominated side of the job. Like, no, that's good. No, nah, not at all. You don't you don't want to have that sort of friction, do you? Like you can't. Nah, there's no nah. room for it. No, nah, not at all. Especially nah. in your job with the. Yeah, we need to we need to be able to work together mm, at the end of the day. Hundred percent. Um, so what's like? I think we got a good grasp of like your situation, your story, your background. You know, coming through amazing insights on you know the, the police force and everything like that. What's what's kind of the next step for you? What's where 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 can you go? Where can you take this? Like, I feel like I've career wise, like I'm like okay, cool, I'm set. Like I, mm. I've I've hit my goal there. Like that's that was my focus for years. Yeah. So I think all of my focus went on that. Mm. Um, all of my my time and energy and everything. And now that I'm settled in, um. I've got a lot more personal goals now that yeah. I want to sort of strive for. In terms of my career at the moment, I'm kind of just finding my feet. Um, you know, I think it's a job where you can't just do it for six months and go, all right, cool. I know everything, yeah. got everything down pat. I'm out here. I've experienced every job. Now I can just cruise and mm. we're good. Like I'm – you. It, Every day you're learning something in this job. Mm. And so I just want to like get my way through my probation and, you know, experience different jobs and how to deal with different things and learn more in the job and stuff. And that side, I'm like that sort of set. I feel like the, your job, you'll never, you're never bored. Like you can honestly do that position forever because you're constantly throwing different challenges every day. Yeah, definitely. Whereas like a normal nine to five, you know, you can go in there every Monday to Friday, do the exact same thing. It's a routine. And I'm sure there's routines in your job, but for the most part, you're dealing with a variety of people, backgrounds, um, aggression, all these different things. You must feel like every day there's going to be something What's it yeah. going to be today? Yeah, pretty much. And like I think it's really important in our role to take your own learning. Um, like your learning is your own responsibility. Mm. So even on days, like I said, are quieter, we're going, you know, community engagement side of things then, all right, let's get, you know, let's go meet the managers of these stores and, you know, what issues do they face that we might be able to help with. And, yeah. and not only that is like you might come across something a little bit obscure and you're like, you know what, what are the rules around that? What are the laws around that? Let's, you know, it's not something yeah. we deal with every day. Yeah. What's like, so then you're like, you want to find out that. So you're constantly learning and you've got to make that your own responsibility for sure. But the, so wait, you poli- can just keep growing every day in the so job. Wait, police officers don't know everything? No, no way, man. <laughs> We're human. Yeah. <laughs> we deal with like, I don't know, maybe like 10 to 20 main offences that you deal with day in, day out, that okay. you know, like the back of your hand, you know the elements, you know, the elements of the offence, you know. How long they'll get locked up for. Or- you know how to deal with the job, you know. As the new guys come, you can teach them how to deal with the job. Hey, this is the go. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's still things where then you go, Hey Sarge, I've got this situation. Yeah. Like, how do I what do we how do we do this? What do we do? I had one the other day and I was like, an acting sergeant turned up to help me and I was like, I'm stumped here. Like yeah. this, I've done X, Y, and Z. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, you've done all that right. And I was like, so now what do I do? He's like, 
normal process. I was like, really? Wow, okay. All right, cool. Like, I guess we'll do that. Like, you do this, I'll do this. Yeah. Awesome, sorted. Um, so, yeah, like it's – and it's daunting yeah. because you think about the responsibility that we carry. So, it's really daunting to be in that situation. And I was the senior person there at the time and it was daunting for me because I was like, I'm running this and I'm stumped. Like, yeah. I'm calling sergeants and stuff and I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like – I just got to write it out. And I think the best way to learn is get thrown in. Yeah. Like just get thrown into it. And Agree go, with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd much rather that. And then, and that's another thing our team's really good for is they won't just go, oh, you know what? You don't know what you're doing. I'll just do it. Okay. They'll go, all right, cool. Let's teach you. If you yeah, don't know, let's right. teach you how to do it so that you've got that. You've got that as another tool. You know, we've got all these accoutrements on our belt and they say it all the time. We need more than just those tools. You know, we need a, something we can reach into for our communication. Yeah. We need something that we can reach into for, you know, our defense mechanisms other than our accoutrements. We don't want to fall back on them. You know, mm. I think that's a, a big misconception that we're always like, oh, well, we've got weapons. Mm. Like we, we can do whatever we want. Mm. You know, we don't want to fall back on them. We've got other things that we need to be able to reach into to deal with different jobs, mm. you know, whether it's the communication side of things or, being able to deal with children, um, you know, troubled kids mm. or a mental health patient, you know. I've had one that I was so grateful that I had a background of dealing with my own mental health issues because I could help her so much. Mm. Like, and I walked away from that job going, oh, my God, like. Really fulfilled. Yeah, almost. 100%. Like, I noticed that it was the male officer triggering her. So I was like, hey, man, I'll be good with her. You just go outside. I'll deal with it. And straight away she started coming down. She's like, okay, cool. Like, mm. you know, she found someone that she could trust. Mm. Um, and I was like, she was having a panic attack. So I was like, all right, let's go through what techniques work for you. She's like, oh, you know about the techniques? So I was like, yeah. I was like, is it this one? Is it this one? And she's like talking me through what she uses. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's do it together. We'll, mm. You know, I'll sit here and we'll do it until the ambulance arrives, whatever you need. Um, whereas, and when we left, the other guys kind of went, we're glad we had you there. Like, yeah we were only going to upset her more and mm. there wasn't much we could do for her. So I think being able to have that other toolbox that you can reach into. Yeah, it's really critical. Hey? Yeah, yeah. I think I have so much uh, – I've never been in a situation where I've had a bad dealing with a police officer, thankfully. I know a lot of people, uh, say my f close friends, have had some instances where, you know, it seems like, yeah, a bit messed up, but – I, for one, have a lot of empathy for police officers because I, I, I feel like they can go from one extreme to another. They can be in a position where they're the, like being fulfilled because they're helping somebody and really making a difference to yeah. they're the scum of the earth sort of thing. And that spectrum in between, you guys can fall between one extreme to the other. And I, I always felt like, like it's a job I, I don't think I could ever do. Yeah, a lot of people say that. Like even ambulance when, you know, we go we go to and assist um, St. John Ambulance a lot. And a lot of the time they're like, oh, man, I, I'm so glad I don't have your job. And I'm like, man, I don't, I'm so glad I don't have your <laughs> yeah. job. Like your job seems awful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people say that, that they just, they they couldn't do it. And I'm like, I, I don't know. It's not that big of a deal to me. Like I'm yeah. like, why not? Like it's it's not that bad. Mm. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't see – I don't get it. I I definitely don't understand it when people are like, oh, I couldn't do your job. I'm really? like, I guess it takes a certain type of person, but I don't think it's that difficult. Yeah, I mean, it, 
you know, it's I a hard it, job. But yeah, I yeah. think it definitely does take a certain type of person. And I think you do possess all those qualities that um, a, a good, successful police officer do does need to have. Um, a, a question that I'm really like, I think it's it's on top of my mind, and you touched on it a little bit earlier. What is the biggest misconception about police officers? Um, it could be out in the mainstream media. It could be, you know, anecdotal, how you deal with people in the street, things that you hear. I think we're very Americanized. Like everyone's view is very Americanized of us. Like they're... Um, you know, anything that seems to go on in American police, we cop. Really? Yeah. Um, like if something's going on over there, then we start copying abuse along the lines of that. Like they'll mm. start using that as a reason to abuse us. Like, oh, you're just going to do the same thing. And, right. Um, so I think that's an issue. But I, I don't know as such if it's a misconception, but I think people just forget that we're human as well. Like mm. we have lives outside of policing as well. And, <laughs> um you know, half the time we don't want to be doing the things that we're doing when it comes to dealing with people, yeah. but we're faced with a situation we have training to fall back on and that's what happens. Um, and people miss the whole story as well. Like they'll just see you wrestling on the ground with someone and they'll think you're the worst person ever. ever. And all you need is like that clip or yep. that sound bite and then Yeah. Little do they know it. that, you know, the horrific things that this person may have done beforehand and we're the ones that have to be this close to them, dealing with them, mm. you know, and risking our safety. So I think it's just, I don't know that it's a misconception. I just think people, I feel like people just need to be a little bit more open-minded mm. when they see police officers dealing with things. And I'm not saying every police officer is a saint. I'm sure they're not. I haven't come across like real bad police officers. I've, you know, I've, I've watched someone deal with a situation and gone, I might have dealt with it differently, differently. Yeah. but there was nothing wrong with the way that they dealt with it. Mm. I just may have dealt with it differently. Like I, you know, but I'm also very fresh. So I have a lot more patience. I'll mm. sit down and talk. If I've got the time, I'll sit down and talk to someone for two hours if that's what they need. Mm. Whereas another police officer will go, you know what? We just need to deal with the situation at hand. I'm sorry. You've got trauma. We've got to go deal with another job. Yeah. We deal with the situation at hand. See you later. We're off. Okay. Um, so I think it's just like, yeah, people, I think they need to be a bit more open-minded when they see people or police officers dealing with people because they don't know what's happened prior mm. and, you know, with that person, but they don't know what the, the police officers had to deal with that day. Yeah. They have no idea what job they've come from. Like, mm. And a lot of people, they can't even perceive the things that we would deal with. Yeah. So they you know, their first thought isn't the critical incident that we may have just been at. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And that's uh, – and we'll, people don't understand, yeah, the, the level of things that you have to deal with. Yeah. And yep. um, what, were you, what we were talking about off air was um, like you don't know how you're going to act until you're actually in that situation. No, no, not at all. Um, and I, they try teaching the academy, you know, You've got your freeze, fight or flight mm. responses. Mm. You know, people say it all the time, but they are actually three human responses that you get in a stressful situation, right? And they can teach you in the academy and, and you watch people in training freeze. 
Mm. They're like, oh, wait, what am I meant to do here? Mm. Um, they can put you through as many scenarios as you want, but you never know until you face a job what you're going to do. Um, and people will always say, oh, you fall back on training. You fall back on training. That's why you got to rep it out. Do as many repetitions of it as you can because you fall back on training. Um, and it's so true. Mm. The minute your adrenaline spikes, you just – you go into training mode and that you get that auditory exclusion yeah. and some people get tunnel vision as well. So they will just focus on, you know, if there's one main aggressor in a bad incident, they'll just focus on that and they'll forget their surroundings. They won't even know if more police turn up. Yeah. Um, so like, like I said, I've, you know, had to draw my taser once and that is the most scared I've ever been yeah. so far. Um, I'm sure something else will come, Yeah. but afterwards I sort of went, okay, no one got hurt everyone's safe you know we were outnumbered 40 to two officers really um (laughs) and before our backup arrived everyone ended up safe everyone ended up calm and you know we got the job done Hmm. and the offender ended up safe as well so he was uninjured Hmm. um we were all uninjured and all the bystanders were uninjured as well. That's the best possible outcome. Yeah, that's success, um, right? That's- yeah. But I was able to sort of walk away afterwards going because taser was something that I kept forgetting in the academy. Like I kept going, like it wasn't something because I'd come from transits, they don't have tasers. Yeah. So for me it wasn't wasn't an option. I'd done a year and a half with some critical incidents as a transit where I, you know, I didn't have a taser. So mm. it wasn't my first option when I started training and the trainers even said to me, like, you know, remember, you know, if you're in, you know, a situation that permits and it's that dangerous, if you need to draw your taser, draw your taser. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I have that. <laughs> yeah. So going out, like it was nice to know that when I was put under pressure and, you know, I was in danger and my partner was in danger, I did what I needed to do. So it wasn't like a freeze situation where I didn't know what and I didn't have my partner's back or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially I, I feel sorry for some of the – I mean, that's me now. Some of the guys that are getting – the newest guys come through, it's scary going into an incident because you're like, what's – we don't know this guy. Yeah. You know, you've this is your first shift with this person. You don't know how they work. You don't know if they're going to have you back. So it's scary going into an incident and it's something that you've got to consider as well yeah. is that, you know, you might be with someone that doesn't have you back. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, is it true that you have to get tasered? No, no, okay. no, Damn. no. We all, we all want, <laughs> we all want to. I think so that's maybe, a myth. You can debunk, debunk that myth right now. Yep, and yeah, and you don't get sprayed with OC spray. I, I one hundred percent will put it. You need to be sprayed with OC spray. Wait a minute, but you do it in transit. Yeah, so for, as a transit, you get primary exposure. So you get sprayed in the face. You have to like do your empty hand tactics with the trainers before they let you yeah. get rid of it. Um. But police don't do it anymore. Okay. They used to do it. They don't do it anymore. So you, um, you, you have been sprayed. Yeah. But, but not, not tasered. Not tasered. Not tasered. Yeah. Apparently everyone reckons tasering is far better. They'd pick taser. People have had Over both. spray? 100%. It's five seconds. Mm. Taser's five seconds. Have you seen the hangover? Yeah. That scene where he gets, he gets tasered and he's just like he's going <laughs> off the kid. Do you remember that scene? Nah. Did you remember <laughs> that scene? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm the worst with movies, eh? Um, but yeah, no, nah, people that have had both hundred percent, they'd pick taser over, okay. um, over spray. Uh, the thing that scares me about the tasers is the probes. Like they're like little needles that go and in they here. stick into, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, 
That's like that scares me more than the actual tasering. It just mm. locks up all your muscles, really. Yeah. If I was a police officer, I'd just be playing around. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be a liability for sure. Yeah. Um, hey, I'm interested to know because uh, you did speak about that um, uh, event here, like uh, Australian police uh, can be. I mean, um, we kind of have a, an American uh, outlook on what police like because obviously we see it on the, the tv the movies we watch like do you would you use terms like uh now that's a wild goose chase or something like that would you use um i think has that ever popped up <laughs> <laughs> like what's what is a one eight we got a one eight seven on <laughs> i couldn't even tell you i think a one eight seven as a job code would never actually come up because an eight seven is like so you, you your job codes are like um you have your job code which are the two numbers yeah and then the, the the number in front determines the priority of the job oh. so I've I've only ever heard of priority one once and that was for urgent backup for other officers that had no backup around so everyone could go priority one to get to them mm-hmm. most jobs are going to be a priority two or a priority three um and then four through to six and they all have different meanings yeah. But a one eight seven here, eight seven's a COVID job, so I think it's someone's like not wearing a mask. So I don't think you're going to get a priority <laughs> one for someone not wearing a mask. Well, no, it's from a song. I'm not sure if you know the song one eight seven. Yeah, but okay. like, I'm like, yeah, it's not. That's doesn't exist here. Well, but it does, but it won't happen. Five, five, five. No, is that a- you guys have your own job codes. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But there are obviously job codes you would have to remember. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah every job has a code. Mm. So, yeah. Um, what has been, uh, what, how has your perception changed um, by being like in life and in, in general? Um, by being a police officer? Um, Big question. Yeah, it is. Mm. Um, I think the cliche saying, like, you know, you don't know what someone else has going on. Yeah. Um, in But, I, like, for so many reasons. One, like, you know, we deal with people who are recidivist offenders, so they're, they're constantly offending and doing the same thing, or it might be even a juvenile offender. And then you get to the root of it and you look at their background and, you know, you find out that they're out doing this because they've got nowhere to stay and they're only 15 or whatever it might be. Mm. Um, so things like that, having an open mind. But even like I was saying before, people not having an open mind when we're doing our job. So that's made me have an open mind for other jobs. Like I used to right. I used to be in and out of hospital for like my own issues all the time. And I used to always sit there and be like, this is so slow. Like I don't get what is their problem? Like there's nurses back there just standing there having a chat. Why are they yeah. – like why can't someone take me – and now that I'm a police officer and sometimes we're just standing having a chat but it's because of a job and we've got, you know, yeah. a million things going on. Hmm. And it may look bad as an outside perspective but now I understand that there's obviously a reason. Like yeah. there's something going on. Um, so I think definitely in terms of that in every aspect of life, like someone's job – you know, the reason they're doing the thing that they're doing, um, you know, the reason that they are the way that they are, it definitely made me have a more open mind. Yeah, it's almost like you've got a greater empathy for what goes beyond, like what happens behind closed doors in yeah, someone else's yeah. life. And 
It's ironic because most cops just get jaded and they're like, we see the worst of the worst. So they're yeah. like, the world's a horrible place. Yeah. You know, there's only bad things out there, but I think maybe I just haven't been in long enough. It's yet to come. <laughs> um, one final question. If, if you were to um, summarize the moral of your story thus far, how, how would you how would you summarize it? Like what what sort of characteristics have you? Ah, uh, sort of morals have come from being a police officer. I've learned so much, like, but I also feel like so much happened to me personally in such a short period of time that I I know there's still so much more to happen. Yeah. Um, but I think. Like I just got, I've got so much more determination and grit. Like I just won't give up. Mm. Like, and I have like I have a more open mind, and I'm more determined. Um, I'm setting myself bigger goals. I think I've just everything that's happened. Like, it's such a cliche saying. Yeah. And like I don't want to end on a cliche, but it's so true. <laughs> and some people would disagree that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Like the yeah. stuff that I went through in like a five-year period, it felt like I it was never going to end. It felt like I was never going to be successful. Mm. It, I felt like I was never going to be a cop, that's mm. for sure. Um, and now like I – even now I put my uniform on some days and before we go out, I'm like, yeah, Pinch I did yourself. it. Like yeah. I, I'm, I did it. Like I get to do what I love every day. Yeah. Um, and it's because I was just so determined in the end. Yeah. Like I just didn't give up. So, you know – Grit and determination, huh? Yeah, 100%. Don't give up. I love that. I love that. I think there's so many people lacking that. And I touched on it before, like to hear you get knocked back four times or go through that process four times um, to me connecting the dots with other people, how they, you know, have all this potential and they just, you know, they get knocked back once and then that's it. I think as well it's important to find it in yourself. Mm. When I was with my ex-partner and he's a police officer, I thought I was only ever going to be able to do it because I had him by my side. Right. So the fact that I did it after we split up and I did it by myself, like I had to find it in myself to do it. Yeah. Um, And that taught me so much mm-hmm. that I went, hang on, like I don't need someone else to be able to do this. I can do it by myself and I'm, I'm going to do it by myself. So. Mm. I think, Ben, you need to be able to find that sort of stuff in yourself and not lean on someone else for it. Great. Determination. Love that. Brooke, uh, I think we'll leave it there. I think thank you for coming on. Like no we've, Thanks I've learned so much um, and just hearing your story, I think it will help so many people get, you know, get past the, you know, whatever they're going through, whatever sort of adversity they, they're about to face. Um, I think there was some amazing lessons there. So. Yeah. For especially kids as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think you've used that as leverage, you know, yeah, to get yeah. you to that next place in your life that you've wanted to go. And you haven't you you haven't let it um um you haven't dwelled on that. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. All right. Well, cool. Thanks Thank for you. joining us. Small little story. Small little story. <laughs>